Welcome to the Not A Paid Sponsor Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Hernandez, and today we're going to be covering everything regarding TJ Dillshaw and the two-year ban handed down by USADA. We talk about EPO, the drug, what it's used for. We talk about Sam Calvita and how he handled the situation. We also discuss a little bit about the bare-knuckle phenomenon, and we cover so much other things. We talk about space, science, politics, buses crashing into me, all that and more on this episode of the Not A Paid Sponsor Podcast. Good morning, everybody. It is 10.35, the 10th of April. Hope everybody is done and are almost done filing their taxes. I am recording this podcast again from my car. Hopefully, maybe, possibly, there's a chance that I finish the podcast before the day's over, unlike last time, which it took two days. Um, but I actually enjoyed this. It's actually helping my drive to work go a little smoother. Um, and yeah, so my check engine light went off. I'm not sure if maybe I need to buy a new gas cap. Uh, I don't have the money for that right now. Or I got to change some O2 sensors, but the light right now is off. Thank the car gods. And hopefully it doesn't come back on before I go take it to uh, my guy to go get inspected. So that's the first good news of the day. Um, That being said, uh, I don't know if you guys were listening last episode when I was talking about how um, USADA and the athletic commissions were using different verbiage and language to, I guess, describe potential violations of the anti-doping program that the UFC has. Um... It is now known to the MMA world that TJ Dillshaw has willingly accepted a a two-year suspension uh, from competing in the UFC retroactive to his January, uh, I guess January something, I forgot what day it was, but um, he tested positive for EPO. Now, for those of you guys who are unfamiliar with EPO, um... I used, uh, I was prescribed uh, EPO therapy uh, last year when I got sick. Um, I had a really bad stomach infection uh, and I developed uh, anemia uh, because of it. And rather than give me, uh, you know, r- rather than send me to the pharmacy to take iron supplements. Uh, they prescribe this therapy. It basically just helps stimulate um, red blood cell growth. Long story short, I'm not a scientist. I don't want you know, but the way it was the way it was described to me when I was prescribed the EPO therapy, it's an injection. Uh, there's no other way to take it. Uh, is that for people that have developed severe cases of anemia? Um, obviously, you know, people that have cancer, people that have had HIV or AIDS, I don't have any of that stuff, but I had a really bad stomach infection that caused the anemia and taking iron supplements would have been very difficult for my stomach to, uh, absorb. 
So the EPO therapy basically helped me uh, help speed along the recovery because it was taking a long time for me to kind of bounce back from the sick, the illness. Uh, I had lost a lot of weight. Um, you know, I had, I had lost just a lot of weight from, from when I got sick and, uh, it helped now in a healthy individual, the accusation is that EPO, uh, use would give a healthy human being access to more red blood cells, which would aid in recovery, which would allow more blood to flow to the muscles and the joints and the and the body altogether. So um, there's no way, at least for me, there, there's no way. And I think Jeff Nowitzki also said it. There's it's just there's no real way to ingest that or to 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 be treated with that therapy without knowing what's going into your body and uh, i stand by that and obviously people were questioning well what does sam calvita have to say with this what does Dwayne ludwig um have to say about this you know sam calvita for those of you guys who may not be familiar uh or just forgot the name sam calvita is the famed nutritionist that was, from what we thought, was completely in charge of T.J. Dillshaw's nutritional plan, weight loss, and things like that. And and he was on the Joe Rogan experience, uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, uh, talking about what lengths, what great lengths he's gone to perfect this science of of sports nutrition and things like that, especially using TJ Dillshaw. I mean, TJ himself was praising Sam Calvita for all the magic that he's been doing, uh, all the wonders that he had been doing with him and transforming him and and helping him cut weight and things like that. And so naturally, uh, Sam Calvita put out a, uh, uh, a memo on Twitter or Instagram this morning, or he, I don't know, he just, I, I saw the, the, looked like it was written on an iPhone notes, basically saying that, um, you know, they, they'll continue to stand by TJ, however, they at no point really had any involvement with the consumption of this uh, EPO therapy, um, and rightfully so, he should get out ahead of it, you know, because the first thing you think of when you think of T.J. Dillshaw is the the intense nutritional diet regimen that he was on. You know, you saw those pictures of T.J. sitting at a dining table, and it was just like pills on pills on pills on pills. And, um, you know, the first thing you think of when you think of T.J. Dillshaw and his, his, his diet and nutrition is Sam Calvita and what, what they're doing. So... Um, Rightfully so, to protect his name, Sam, Sam got out ahead of it and denounced any uh, knowledge of TJ's use of EPO, uh, at least while working with him. You know, and then it begs it begs the question, like, you know, Sam Calvito was taking notes. You know, this was for Sam Calvito. This is his life's work. This is research, kinesiology, sports medicine diet nutrition this is his life's work he prides himself 
on understanding the chemistry of the fighters that he works with. And now he maybe has to go back to the drawing board because some of his, some of the numbers he's probably, you know, some of the numbers that he's probably accumulated while studying T.J. Dillshaw might not be accurately, might not be accurate towards the goals he was trying to achieve and and knowing that T.J. was artificially, you know, you know, he was enhancing his body through other means in conjunction with the use of Sam Calvita's treatments. You know, obviously that that sucks for Sam Calvita, you know, because it, it, it does. Like, even the, the damage is, goes much further than just people might be accusing Sam of, of knowing that TJ was taking EPO. But that Sam, you know, now his research is, is, is going to be more, more scrutinized. You know, and that one of his prime athlete one of his his athletes that he was responsible for was was artificially changing his his internal chemistry uh who knows to either respond to the the whatever sam was doing or just to gain his competitive edge but you know long story short uh shit sucks tj's gonna be out for two years um cody was kind of taking it like a champ you know he took it as well as anybody could take it. He was, you know, last year he was all about telling everybody that TJ was on EPO and that he was on steroids and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, people were kind of writing it off. And I wonder, you know, like, he's like, listen, by all means, I'm not saying that TJ on steroids is what made me lose. You know, I also fought like a dumbass. You know, like, he, he's pretty humble about it, you know. But, uh, you know, I could imagine he's probably not happy you know so somebody on twitter yesterday posted something to the effect of well you know i could i could only imagine how frustrated and upset if i were cody i'd be livid you know and i want those wins overturned it's like well you know we i don't know how you i don't know if usada has access to those samples those previous samples uh from when they fought but you know, let's say hypothetically Cody were to file a lawsuit with the UFC. If you guys can recall, Mark Hunt, who had filed a, a grievance and lawsuit against the UFC, was told something to the effect of, hey man, um, this is a risk that fighters assume when they step into the octagon. Uh, there's no, you know, like, I guess at the time, there's no real way to, you know, I guess with the chain of custody in regards to how specimens are collected from the time they're collected to the time they're fully analyzed and the, the results are published, you know, there's no real way to, um, there's no real way to safeguard, uh, uh, really, truly protect, you know, and, so, and, and it's the fighter's responsibility. Like, listen, if you're going to step in the ring, there is a chance that somebody might be doping. And, and as much testing as combat sports has, you know, there's still the possibility that something can get through. So, you know, you got to imagine that at this point, like if Cody were to decide to, and I don't think Cody would, but if he were to sue the UFC for putting him um, into a fight with TJ, 
that you know they probably give Cody the runaround the same way they did uh, the same way Mark Hunt was given the runaround uh, in his lawsuit. That being said, it was stated that uh, a special test was needed to test for EPO. I guess um, it would seem that USADA doesn't really test on average. Um, it seems that USADA doesn't test for EPO use uh, as a, it's not a standard test and that they they tested something and then they tested a specimen from December and that they needed to order another a special test to test for this EPO which raised the question why isn't why isn't EPO being tested for altogether is it cost? Uh, is it the structure of? Is it the structure of the drug testing program? You know, do they? You know, do they evaluate a fighter upon specimen collection? And then you know, they, so the the collector makes a note like, "Hey, um, this person should probably be checked." You know, like, what's the procedure for them to order this exam? And 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 more so, why is this particular exam not being ordered? right off the get. You would think that everybody who has a specimen, whether it's urine or blood, you would ha- that it would be a standardized uniform test across the board and comes to find out that it's not really like that. That in some instances they test for other things, like more things. In certain instances they may test for less. You know, and to me that's unacceptable. Um I'm not saying what I'm... I'm not going to say what I'm going to say next to defend TJ Dillshaw. I'm saying this more for the UFC as a whole. The UFC fighters seem to have a very limited... uh, or they, They seem to have limited knowledge when USADA decides to implement a new testing method uh, or to notify the fight... Like, do they notify the fighters when the testing becomes more stringent and it becomes more uh, when they're able to detect uh, molecules at the picogram level whatever you know like do the fighters have this this knowledge uh, accessible because it doesn't seem like it it seems like we hear oh well we've developed new testing methods or there's specialized tests that we need to administer to discover these um chemicals and it seems like the UFC fighters don't really get a choice in you know either consenting to or it just seems like that's it the drug testing program is allowed to change and evolve and the fighters aren't really notified of how it's done you know back then back in the day it would be like you know the as far as we knew the sampler would the guy would the person would come collect the sample the samples would be sealed and then they just go run off for the test now now we're more I'm, I'm getting more con- is, uh, interested in what happened what kind of test these people are running I know I'm just like repeating myself over and over again but um you know if the fighters would unionize if there was a fighters union the same way that the NFL uh, the NFL PA, the uh, baseball PA, 
you know, if the fighters would create a union, maybe in the collective bargaining agreement, there could be a clause saying, listen, you know, if there's any new testing methods, you know, the fighters should be made aware of uh, any changes to the drug testing program. I'm not saying so that, you know, I mean, obviously it's going to be abused. There's no real way to stop doping. But, you know, um, I don't know. It's such a tricky subject, you know, because the more I talk about it, the more I sound like, oh, you're just basically defending drug use and and putting a union, a fighter's union, would, um, would only benefit the fighter in terms of trying to evade USADA um, discovery of, you know, failed drug tests and whatnot, but I don't know, it just definitely seems like with in terms of USADA, the fighters are a little bit, um, you know, they're kind of like out of the loop, and then it's just like, hey, you tested positive for something, in terms, I'm not saying this for DJ, uh, TJ, excuse me. But I'm saying for, like, the people that have, like, false positives, you know what I'm saying? This could really help. You know, like, hey, listen, we weren't notified of any changes to the testing. You know, for all I know, you know, the methods in what you're, you know, the methods in what you're using to test the, sub, the, the specimen is questionable and things like that, you know? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm just rambling, rambling, rambling. Um, that being said... We had, uh, this past weekend, the uh, BKFC 5, I believe it was. Artem Lobov and Jason Knight. Uh, shout out to Artem for winning that fight. Uh, it could have went either way, I, in my honest opinion. From what I saw, it looked like there was... I mean, it could have went either way. Should Artem have lost, I wouldn't have... I'd be like, you know what? That was a hard-fought loss. It sucks. But uh, he did win his fight. Um... Jason Knight fought his fucking ass off. Excuse my French. But you could tell those guys were out for blood, you know. And uh, I know Artem said that he broke a couple of Jason's teeth. And scraped his hand or something like that with the, um, you know, once he connected. And that means now that Artem is going to be going up against Pauli Malinaji in June. That is crazy for that kind of injury that Artem sustained to be ready for June. I mean, if I was him, I'd be dunking my head in a bowl of ice every day from now until June. You know, I, I would... That is crazy with the amount of injuries that he looked like he sustained. But he went on Ariel Hawani's show a couple days ago and he basically said that he was fine. He said that, you know, it's, injuries aren't as bad as they look. And uh, he's ready to go after... Uh, oh my God, here with the yards again. You know what? And I drank coffee black today, no sugar. You know, but shout out to BKFC. Uh, the president made some, uh, the president of Bare Knuckle Fighting Champ, whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, he made some, uh, he made a very shitty promoter move. Uh, I forgot who was fighting. I apologize. But he was, he basically was trying to take away one of the fighters' pay, uh, half of the fighters' pay, and give it to the other guy because he said that there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough action. I apologize that I don't remember the fighter's name. I didn't. I only was. I literally only tuned in for the main event. I was with my son all weekend, so um, he had tuned in. I saw it on Twitter. He's saying like, "Oh, here, bare knuckle fighting. We demand uh, action." And 
you know, we're, we're here for, you know, like, you can't do that, you know, I mean, I guess I stand where everybody else is, I, like, I understand why he would say something like that, because he's not, you know, he wasn't pleased, but, you know, once the contract signed, man, you pay the guys what they're owed, you know what I'm saying, you pay what they're owed, and you don't go out there and publicly shame, I mean, and, and, and he's lucky that the, um, Everybody took it, like, with a grain of salt, you know? Like, everybody kind of understood where he was coming from and kind of gave him a free pass. It's just, you know, you don't want to do that. As the president of bare-knuckle fighting, you don't want to do that, especially when you're forcing the fans to pay. It's not sanctioned by any athletic commission, so they have to run these, you know, they have to run these events in, like, shady places. Um, what it be? Yachting again, you know, and you're you're asking for the fan to really accept the sport of bare knuckle fighting, and it's a it's a very primitive form of combat, and uh, it's it seems clearly just the fights that I've seen so far, the you know it's a very violent experience, and and. I know Artem went on um, Ariel's show and was like, you know, it's actually not as bad as it looks. It's not as bad as it looks. You think that, you know, in MMA, I think you take more trauma with the kicks and the punches all combined. But in bare knuckle, it's just fists, you know. But I, I don't know. That level of trauma seems very, um, it seems to be like a very violent, violent uh, experience. So... I don't think the president should be shunning or, you know, threatening things like that, especially when the fighters and the fans alike are being, A, the fans are being forced to pay $29.99 for the pay-per-view. There's no free bare-knuckle action on TV that you could tune in on Spike or whatever. You you have to, you know, you have to pay to, to see it, you know. It just doesn't set a good, it doesn't send a good optic. That's all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say in the words of the great comedian, Brian Regan. Um, hmm. I guess the last eight minutes. What else is there to talk about before I end this first segment of the podcast? I spent so much time talking about suspension, the TJ Dillshaw suspension. Um, you know, oh, uh, we finally have our first ever photo of the event horizon of a black hole. This is a little bit of space science news. Woke up this morning and watched the uh, press conference. Uh, researchers all around the world have teamed up and have basically used telescopes all across the world and combined their research into one basically giant telescope and have studied uh, what they believe to be a black hole or the event horizon of. And they were able to release a photo. Uh, an actual pure photograph of what a black hole and the event horizon looks like. Um, you know, and for those of you guys who don't know what the event horizon is, is basically like uh, imagine the rings of Saturn. You know, imagine the rings of Saturn. Those rings would be what would be called the event horizon. 
except the planet is not Saturn, and the planet is a, a ball of just collapsed energy. And it's so strong that not even light can escape. And the event horizon is where all space-time begins to bend at the will of a black hole as it's slowly dissolved and consumed by the black hole. So they were able to capture the photo of the black hole and the event horizon. And you could see in the picture, although it's a little blurry, you could see the picture, um, you could see what appears to be the energy and light being uh, warped around the shape of the black hole, which is pretty cool. I think it's it's awesome for astronomy that the years that it took to, to get this information. And just, you know, it's, it's amazing how we know so much about space, but we know so little about what's on planet Earth. We know so much more about space than we do about our own planet. You know, but that's what we are as humans. You know, we, we're, we're designed, we always look up, you know, we're not even humans, but anything biological. Before there was the concept of having eyes, you know, primitive organisms had no eyes, but they had receptors and sensors that were always keen on, on pointing upward and detecting the sun's majestic energy. And over time, we developed eyes and we developed uh, neurons and, and, and the receptors that, that, that always kind of made us look up, you know? And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing that science has come so far that we're able to detect things like black holes and we're actually able to visualize what a black hole is or the theories of astrophysics and things like that. You know, some of it's true. Some of it seems to be real. Um, you know, there, you know the, the discovery of dark matter. I mean, I could go on for days, man. I've seen every astronomy space documentary that Mother Earth has been able to provide science channel discovery channel all that stuff let me see how much time i got five minutes left before this recording cuts off but yeah it's just beautiful man science fuck yeah you know what i'm saying science is fucking awesome and uh shout out to all the scientists that busted their ass and 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 just went out their way to fucking prove some crazy ass shit man black holes are real and we've been able to photograph it it's no longer something that it's like a CGI composite. It's not something that they just take data from a, you know, they take numbers from a computer and then they plug it into a animator and, and, and you know, now it's something that's real. It's, it's, it's tangible. And uh, I'm all for that shit, man. And um, I guess with that, we'll end this segment of the podcast. Again, stay tuned. I'll try my hardest to record the other segment sometime either A, during work or B, uh, maybe on my way to Outback, I'm going to treat myself to some Outback Steakhouse tonight. I'm, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling like a blooming onion tonight, but, uh, yeah, stay tuned and, uh, enjoy. I'll see you guys in a bit. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back just like that with the second segment of the Not A Paid Sponsor podcast. I am just leaving work right now driving by one of my shit co-workers. Um, but yeah, where do we leave off? We were talking T.J. Dillshaw. We were talking USADA. We were talking drug testing. We were talking EPOs. I let you guys in on a little, uh, on some inside knowledge as to what it was. 
from personal use. Where else are you going to get that? Who? Chael Sonnen. Coincidentally enough, he was on the Ariel and the Bad Guy podcast today talking about his use of EPO and what it meant for him. Um, We spoke a little bit about the Russian hammer Artem Lobov and his experience uh, entering the bare-knuckle fighting world. Uh, We spoke about freaking science. They have discovered the first, well, they have published the first picture of the event horizon. Anyways, we're rambling. Um, So, the hot topic that I didn't get a chance to mention earlier, because remember, when I'm recording on my phone, I could only record it in 30-minute segments, so I stopped the podcast just short of 30 minutes, and now I'm going to start up again here. So, the hot topic on every MMA outlet, podcast, Twitter, feed, whatever, is about the concept of bare knuckle fighting. So, albeit that Artem hasn't had the greatest success in the UFC, we have, well, I wouldn't say we, because some of us, um, you know, didn't watch it. I only watched the main event. But a lot of people who have watched the bare knuckle event have new feelings about consuming that kind of content. Some people feel like it's primitive still. They don't feel like it's for them. Some people have some other gripes with it being a a paper, like a pay-per-view way of consuming their content. Um, And then some people are actually happy with what they saw, despite the president of Bare Knuckle Fighting, whatever the hell his name is, uh, threatening to revoke or half of the pay and from fighter A give it to fighter B. So what do you guys think? I mean, I don't know. Should I even ask you at this point? I should just, rather than ask you what you think because I think at this point, if you're listening to my podcast today, Wednesday the 10th of April, you're, you've most likely formed an opinion. You know, uh, before I give you my opinion, can I just... I, I got to rant about something today. New York City buses be driving like they the only things on the road and that shit's not cool today one of those fuckers just flat out hit uh one of my fucking work vehicles i was in the center lane the bus was behind me far behind decides to accelerate and cut into my lane and clips the back of my fucking bus and then drove off like shit was cool not cool man mta slow your roll also, call me. I need a new job. Anyways, um, so, <coughs> pardon me. Oh, that one snuck up. <laughs> oh, God. Oh! Okay, no more coughing. So, where was I? Um, yeah, my opinion. My opinion on bare knuckle fighting. Because my opinion matters. In today's society, everybody has a voice. And my opinion should be taken into account like everybody else's opinion. Okay? Anyways. Um, I gotta be honest. I don't like the idea of having to pay for bare-knuckle fighting. Pretty much like echoing what Brendan Schaub said on the Below the Belt podcast. Um, do I like it? Damn. It's like bare-knuckle fighting for me dances a very fine line. Like, okay, so... 
maybe I should describe this better. My grandmother watches the UFC with me. When I host little events at my house, I have the homies over, I got my family over. My grandmother will cook up a little nice meal, come sit in the living room and watch the fights with us. She says that it's pretty violent and then she's like, oh, I don't know how these people, you know, she's very old school Puerto Rican from the motherland. She'll be like, ay, mira, tu sabes, eso es peligroso, eso, eso pelea, yes. Uh, I'm not going to eat this light. Um, eso pelea son peligroso, uh, meaning, you know, like the fights are very, uh, you know, the, the fights are very gruesome and, you know, she feels that, uh, you know, like it's just a lot that these people put their bodies through. And rightfully so. She's definitely entitled to feel that way. But she'll sit there and watch it. Boxing and bare knuckle is something that my grandmother cannot watch. Something about watching martial arts in action, she can kind of tolerate. But the art of literally just hitting people in the fucking face is something that I know that my grandfather would, that my grandmother would not really want to sit through. Especially if she would have seen that main event with Artem and uh, Jason Knight. So in that regard... Bare knuckle for me personally teeters on that fine line of being just the right amount of violence, but almost being too much. And at times, definitely I could see it being too much with the amount of violence that's, I mean, I don't know, Artem swears that it's fucking, it's not that bad and we're just tripping. But um, I, I can tell you, man, I, I honestly feel like that shit has, it's the borderline potential for absolute I mean, I don't see anybody in bare knuckle having a long career. That's all. That's all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. So, in other news, BJ Penn. Uh, unfortunately, in the personal life of BJ Penn, uh, his wife uh, filed a restraining order or made a motion to get a restraining order, uh, where she allegedly chronicles ten years of. Sex, excuse me, sexual abuse, and, and that's a shit situation. You know what I'm saying? Like the man, he's fighting his ass off still, not winning. Lost really quick to what was it, Ryan Hall? Um, you know he keeps fighting, and at this point, you know people, you know the the strange thing about B.J. Penn was, a lot of people thought that when he was inducted to the Hall of Fame, that was going to be it. Nobody saw him going way too many years past his prime and just getting the ever-living shit beat out of him to the point where now his continued legacy is beginning to, in my eyes, tarnish some of the great things that we've seen him do in the octagon earlier, you know? And that's even coming from somebody that's watched the UFC, as G from State Farm on Twitter would say, I've been watching UFC for damn near 10 years. She always loves... Uh, shout out to G from State Farm, who just got out of Twitter jail. But she always be reminding everybody that, I've been watching them at May for 10 goddamn years. But well, we love you. But, uh, yeah, I'm one of those as well. I've been watching MMA since UFC 1. Keith Hankey. But, anywho. Uh, yeah, so I feel like his prolonged exposure to the UFC is beginning to now diminish um, his past achievements. And um, that's really hurting me. And then now, with the accusations of abuse and things like that, it um, I feel even worse. 
you know, it's just making me feel worse. So, I don't know. I really don't know. It's not like the Tony Ferguson situation where, you know, his wife kind of stood up for him and said, hey, you know, he's a good father, but we're just doing this so that way he gets the help that he needs in order to thrive in, in this business. You know, she kind of stood up for him, and we're not getting that same kind of love from BJ Penn, uh, his baby mama. And uh, I don't know. I hope. I don't know. Doesn't look good right now. That's all I'm trying to say. Is that it doesn't look good for the great BJ Penn. Um, what else did I write in my notes? I can't really look at my phone because I'm in the car driving. Oh, okay. Hold up. I got it. So, so, I, I see things on the internet and I don't, I don't tell, I don't try to silence, um, I don't try to silence MMA Twitter or social media. I don't try to silence my listeners. If you have an opinion, you're more than welcome to it, but I gotta, I gotta put some light on something that I keep seeing. Every time there's an article, and forgive me for bashing Luke Thomas in the past. Forgive me. All right? Some people don't like him. I don't necessarily like him. Guys, you know, I don't like his style of journalism. Anyways, anyways, anyways. When, an, when, a, when an, a news story breaks, for instance, T.J. Dillshaw uh, suspension, uh, when the suspension came to light, and that he willingly accepted a two-year uh, sanction from USADA. There were some people that were just like, again, I bring this argument up frequently because I brought it up on the podcast before, but this is exactly what happened, right? Somebody on Twitter, and I'm not going to name names, posted, oh, before you slander... <laughs> you guys are going to know who it is because I'm... <laughs> I'm recalling the tweet almost word for word. Before you slander or you go on that slander. Oh, no, no. Uh, just so you know, EPO is not a steroid before you go on your slander something against TJ Dillshaw. Hey, man. Duh. It doesn't work that way. If we have to put up with all the Conor McGregor fanatics, if we have to put up with the John Jones is the great, even though the fucking dude has a really shitty on and off the field record, I mean, his UFC record is impeccable. I'm not debating that. But just debating the kind of person that fucking John Jones is. If I got to put up with Ariel Hawani and the rest of MMA fucking media... Covering wrestling. And I got to accept all that shit. You got to accept that maybe I'm a freaking, uh, I'm a, I'm a connoisseur. Shit, I'm trying to find the right words. You got a fucking long story short. If I say something about damn steroids and I give an opinion on, on fucking steroids and mixed martial arts, motherfucker, you're going to listen to it, damn it. Or block me. Excuse my French. And I don't mean to be so damn aggressive. But I'm getting so tired of people doing this thing where it's like, oh, just before you accuse or say X, Y, Z about ABC, 
just know this before you go on some wild shit. Man, I'm going to go on some wild shit regardless. I pay to watch this shit. The same way I'll tell a cop, God damn it, I pay my taxes. Granted, that doesn't always work. Um, but yeah, if, if I got to listen to your narrow-minded opinions on steroids and your freaking obsession over Conor McGregor and John Jones, then you got to listen to my freaking rants about steroids. Okay? I'm going to give you a little secret. I'm going to give you a little secret. You know that show Ancient Aliens? What's the guy's name? George Tsukulos, whatever the fuck his name is. You know he's not even a freaking astrophysicist. Okay? He's got like no science background. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But I think that was something that I read on the bottom of a Snapple cap. And if that guy could get a show on the History Channel, and all he says is freaking aliens every time the camera points to him, you got to listen to my crazy shit. Okay? That's all I'm saying. If I got to put up with your nonsensical tweets, you got to put up with my nonsensical ideas. Okay? I'm going to leave it at that. I mean, should I leave it at that? Or could I keep going? It's probably the most energetic I've ever been on a podcast. You know why? It's because I'm on my way to Outback. Daddy needs a Bloomin' Onion. Okay? Um, Actually, no. I had a really difficult day at work. One of my buses, radiator exploded. One of my guys had to leave early. Back pain. I had to make all these switches. Getting yelled at from management about... You know, everybody points the finger at each other. You ain't doing your job. That's that's basically what happens when you work for, uh, when you're working for the man. And uh, yeah, I'm a little fired up. And yeah, I was sitting there driving, and uh, I was I was you know I drive a bus for those of you guys who don't know. I was sitting there driving this bus, and I'm thinking to myself, damn, people are mad, freaking anal about some of the things. You know, like they be, it's not even anal. People just be putting some snarky ass shit, and. Uh, I might as well just go out and say the quote that I'm tweeting, the, the Twitter handle of the person that I've... J.E. Snowden, okay? It was the, His tweet was the one that kind of like, it was festering in my mind. It went away for a little bit, and then I was just like, you know what? You know what? No. It doesn't work that way, okay? Especially what I know about EPO therapy and what it does and what all the experts, including one sponsor for Tropicana orange juice, Chael Sonnen had to say. So if we want to judge TJ Dillshaw, you got to let us do it. Okay? We paid money. I paid money to see those pay-per-views, damn it. So you don't tell me how I could feel. Oh, I got to feel. If I got to sit there and and listen to how you feel. Especially because you got a freaking check mark next to your name. Oh, I know this is going to be completely random, and I, uh, I'm, I'm jumping off the train. Did you hear about that politician, Ocasio-Cortez, at that rally? At a, I guess she was at a Baptist church or some shit like that. And and she straight, she straight pulled a Hillary Clinton fake ghetto like accent. Like I'm not going to call it ghetto because people that are in self-respecting, you know, people that are in high places have that um, twang 
to their vernacular. But yeah, it was just, I wish I was on my computer because I could play it for you and we could all laugh together. I mean, she was like, the chick speaks like a valley girl. And she straight pulled the Mackenzie Dern or Hillary Clinton when she was talking to the people. Please Google it. Please, I, I, I encourage you. Uh, but it was ridiculous. She was at the church and she was like, it's okay to be making some people's food. It's okay to be a bus driver. And I'm like, if you see all the footage of her in the House of Representatives, uh, wherever the hell she's fucking seated, because that's how ignorant I am as a, a, a person who votes. I don't even know who the hell people are voting for anymore. I just fucking click a button. Um, but all the footage I see on C-SPAN of her, she is very educated in how she speaks. And she is fucking... You know, it just reminds me of my mom. My mom used to do that back in the day. Like, my mom would straight tell me, like, Motherfucker, I'm going to smack the shit out of you. Come out with some stupid shit like that again. And then the phone rings. She'd be like, hello, this is Sylvia speaking. <laughs> Yeah, she she don't pull some shit like that, man. I wouldn't be surprised, yo, if she... I mean, I I do kind of feel bad for her. I mean, A, because she's, like, on some heavy socialist shit. And, um... Although her her policies don't necessarily align with where I feel. uh, Where I, you know... Maybe our policies don't necessarily align. And this is the first time I'm really kind of going into politics like that. And I won't stay too long. But, you know, they are really... It's like... Anything this chick does is getting blown up. But I, I couldn't, I could not lay off the fucking pandering that she was doing at that church, man. Especially the way she was talking. Shit. And then she was doing the shit where, you know, like, people from the hood, on God, on everything that I love, I swear. Like, she was clapping. She was doing all that shit. Like, and she was, like, all sideways and shit, too. She was like, yo, oh, oh my God, please, please look at that video. I, I really don't want to touch on the... Po- politics but just for the sake of comedy that shit was fucking funny okay and i apologize i will next podcast i will not say k so much i don't know what what's gotten into me but yeah so we've touched on a lot of things and uh you know this is super awesome I don't know. Do you guys think I could fill the last ten minutes before I, before the recording has to cut off? You think I? Do you think I got a little bit more juice in me? I want to say this about the platform that I'm using, and I know you're probably listening to the podcast. At some point, you're going to hear an ad, but you're going to also hear this is consider this to be a live ad. Anchor, if you're out there listening, pay me two ads for your freaking platform in one podcast. I think this is too cool that I could continue doing the podcast from the car and that technology has gotten so freaking good. I'm using my in freaking stock headphones that came with the iPhone and you know, not for nothing. The podcast doesn't sound half bad. I've been listening to the recordings that I do from the car. I've made several dummy recordings and listened to them just because I was like a little self-conscious about how it's going to come out. And it freaking came out pretty good. The only hard part about doing the uh, podcast from the car is that I have to make the intros uh, with a separate app. And then I have to upload it after the fact. Which isn't too bad, but, you know, it, it could be a little tedious. But then again, it, t- it took me the same amount of time to do it on my computer than it would on the phone. So, I mean... And you don't really hear me breathing as much as I do on the when I record 
on my, I think it's just the way my mic is set up at home. Um, but the fact that you could even do your podcast from a car and just, you know, like rolling down the street, shooting the shit, talking into my headset and recording it and, and I'll publish it tonight, you know, while I'm eating my fucking blooming onion. You know what I'm saying? Like we're in the freaking future. I don't got to send this to a producer to freaking edit. I could edit all of it while I'm eating a steak. And shout out to Anchor for not only giving us the platform to host the podcast, but to do it for free. So, yeah. Did I, I mean, I only covered two minutes now, right? Let me see, 21 minutes. Okay, guys, I got uh, eight and a half, uh, eight and a half minutes before I got to end this podcast. Oh, should I just end it now? I think I said all I had to say. We covered it all. We covered TJ Dillshow. We covered USADA. We covered athletic state commissions. We covered bare knuckle fighting. Is it too primitive? Maybe. But it should be my choice whether I want to consume it or not. Um, we spoke about science. We spoke a little bit about funny politics and pandering. We spoke about anchor. And you know what? I think we can cut this podcast off this evening. And I hope you guys have a lovely one and I look forward to seeing you guys next week or maybe I'll do another one I don't know I keep teasing that I'm going to do two podcasts in one week but it's already it's already hump day and um, I'm a little tired my throat's a little scratchy being a being a supervisor of my job is taking its toll when I when I get the means and when I start getting more good at this podcasting thing I'll jump up to two but uh, for now We're just going to live with one podcast a week. And with that, I bid you adieu.